To, to, get, to, to give some context so you understand the let's dance, if you happen to miss last week, we began uh, the experience before I began to teach with a special song. And, and the words of the song said something like, if you have an opportunity to either sit it out or to dance, I hope you dance. And in life, you, you have opportunities, and many of you have been presented with opportunities and will continue to, to be presented with God-sized opportunities. And it's my hope that you won't sit it out, but that you will dance. As a church, we have been presented, presented with God-sized opportunities, and, and God will continue to present us with opportunities for more people to come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, to be discipled and to grow in their faith. And it's my hope and it's my prayer that people's church will not be a church that sits it out, but that we will dance. And with that thought as a backdrop today, I want to talk to you from a very, very famous Bible story today, but I want to talk to you from a different perspective. I want to talk to you from the perspective of the older brother and the loving father. If you're not familiar with the story, you can find it in Luke chapter number 15, verse 11 through 31. It talks about two sons. And the Bible says that the younger son went to his father and asked for his share of the estate. The father gave him his share of the estate and he went to a distant country and he squandered. He wasted his wealth in wild living, drugs and alcohol and prostitutes and just wild living. And the Bible says he lost everything and he began to be in need. A famine came into the land, and the Bible says that this young man went to work in a pig farm. He was working in a pig pen. And as he was in the middle of the pig pen, the Bible says he began to think about father's house. He began to think about how gracious his father was, how loving his father was, how kind his father was, how compassionate his father was. Matter of fact, he even thought about father is so good, even the servants, the slaves in the house, they're taken care of and they have food to eat. He is such a great father. And so the young man decides, I'm going back to father's house. And as he was on his way to father's house, the Bible says that the father was looking and he was outside looking and he saw his son way off in a distance. And the father took off running, got to his son. He hugged him. He kissed him. He loved him. He put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. He put a robe on his back. And the Bible says he threw a party. He began to celebrate. He killed the fattened calf, invite the neighbors and the friends, and they were celebrating because this lost son had now come home. And the Bible says that the older brother showed up at the house. He's outside and he hears the music. He hears the dancing and the celebration. And so he asked one of the servants, what's going on in the house? And one of the servants says, well, hey, your younger brother has just come home and your father is so happy. And your father threw a party for your younger brother and older brother gets mad. He's upset. He's furious. And he refuse, refuses to go into, into the house. 
And so dad catch winds of the, gets wind of this, and, and so the father comes outside, and he begins to talk to his older brother and says, man, listen, your brother's home, we're celebrating, we're, we're excited for him to be home, and the, the older brother's mad. He still refuses to go in the house. He has an attitude with the father. He is not celebrating, he is not excited, and he is not happy at all. Now, now, now back this story up with me. I want to back up real quick. Back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. Back to the pig pen. Imagine with me that the younger son says, I'm going to go back home because father's house is a lovely place. And as the younger son is heading back home, imagine instead of the father being the first person he meets and he's hugged and kissed and loved on, imagine if the younger son, the first person he would have encountered was the older brother. And if the younger son would have met the older brother instead of the loving father, he would have met the older brother with all of his poison, with all of his baggage, with all of his bitterness, with all of his criticism. Can I tell you, the younger brother probably wouldn't have ended up back at the father's house. He would have probably ended up back in the pig pen. How does this relate to us today? Prodigal sons and daughters are coming back home. We're coming back home in Oklahoma City, South Oklahoma City, Edmond and Guthrie. They're coming back home. They're coming back home in Midwest City and Spencer and, and Dell City. They're coming, they're coming back home. They're, they're coming back to the father's house. And they're either encountering the older brother or the loving father. And when, when prodigals come back home, when they come to the father's house and they encounter the older brother instead of the loving father, can I tell you, many prodigals don't stay in the father's house. They end back up in the pig pen. And I want to say to us, People's Church, we have to be ready to love and to minister to the prodigals so that they don't end back up in the pig pen. And through this story, Jesus teaches us how we should treat the prodigals. You see, the very reason that Jesus tells this story is he is dealing with wrong thinking about how to treat and respond to the prodigals. Matter of fact, the context of this story that I'm sharing with you today, it all started because of questioning and, and, and wondering what's wrong with Jesus. In Luke chapter 15, verse number 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. What is wrong with this Jesus? Look how he's treating sinners. He's eating with them. He's welcoming them. He's a friend of sinners. And the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, they did not like it. They had an attitude. It aggravated them. It got under their skin that Jesus was a friend of sinners. And so Jesus tells this story of the prodigal son to show the difference of how Pharisees, how Pharisees treat sinners and how God treats sinners. Jesus was showing the contrast, the difference from how the older brother treats prodigals and how the loving father treats prodigals. And let me say to you today, every church around this world is either the older brother or the loving father. And my hope and my prayer is that people's church will always respond to prodigals, to those far from God, as the loving father and not the older brother. And what I want to do today is I want to give you three differences between the older brother and the loving father. Number one, 
is this. Older brothers are consumed with themselves. Notice this back in Luke chapter 15 and verse 29. It says, but he answered his father. This is the older brother as he is debating with his father. He says, look, dad, all these years I've been slaving. Listen, dad, it's about me. I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me, because dad, this really is about me. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Can I tell you, the older brother is only concerned about himself. Catch the picture here. The, the, the younger brother has been gone possibly for months or for years. He's wasted all the money. He's been living a wild lifestyle. He's broke, busted, and disgusted. And now he's finally made it back home. And can I tell you, when the older brother has his first conversation to the father, not one time does he ask about his little brother. Not one time does he say, Dad, is, is my little brother okay? Dad, is little brother, I'm so glad he's not dad. Dad, is little brother, is he in good spirits? Is he making it okay? Not one time, the entire conversation, after brother's been gone for a long time, the only conversation is about himself. He's consumed with himself. And older brother churches are only concerned about themselves. They don't care about the lost the broken, the hurting, the poor, the addicted. Everything is all about them and, and what they want. You know what happens to older brother churches? Is they build walls instead of building bridges. You see, you can have a mission statement on your wall that says we want to reach lost people. But if you respond like the older brother to prodigals, you build walls. It's all about me and what I want. It's all about making me happy. And we're not called to build walls. We're called to build bridges to the community, to reach people who are far from Jesus Christ. And older brothers, they are consumed with themselves. But I want you to notice the, the father, number one, the father, the loving father is consumed with who's missing. He's consumed with who's missing. Matter of fact, in response to the Pharisees questioning why Jesus welcomed sinners, why Jesus loved on sinners, Jesus tells a story beginning in verse 3. They question him in verse 1 and in verse 2 in chapter 15. In verse 3, Jesus begins to tell a story. He says, well, let me explain this to you. A shepherd has a hundred sheep. One of the sheep goes away. Now, now, the wise thing for the shepherd to do is to take care of the 99 he still has. The fiscally smart thing, the financially wise thing to do is to say, these 99 are worth a whole lot more than that one sheep that strayed away, so I'm going to stay with the 99. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. The shepherd will leave the 99, and the shepherd goes after the lost sheep, and he does not stop until he finds it. And what Jesus is communicating about prodigals, about those who are not in the house yet, is Jesus saying, listen, listen, God cares about those who are still missing. God cares about those who are not yet in the house. And then Jesus goes on to tell another parable. He talks to one about a lost coin, saying Jesus cares about, God cares about those who are missing. Then he talks about the prodigal son. And he said, this boy has messed up his life. His life is in shambles, and he is a wreck. And can I tell you, he's been playing with pig poo-poo in his hog slop. And when he, come back, when he comes back 
home? Jesus said the father welcomes him. And he hugs him. And he kisses him. Because the father is consumed with those who are missing. Lost people matter to God. People far from God, they they matter to him. And we know that we are developing the Father's heart when we realize it's not all about us and church is not all about us and Jesus is just not exclusive just to Christians, but, but the whole world needs to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we know we're developing the Father's heart when our eyes just get off ourselves and they get on a dying world who needs to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and experience the hope that only comes through Christ. And People's Church, I want to put a challenge before you today because I, I really believe the Bible and I really believe there's a heaven and there's a hell. I really believe people will spend eternity in one place or the other. This is not a little game to me, a little church game. I, I really believe the Bible. And can I tell you that God, he saved us and he left us here on this earth, not just for us and to pay bills and to make a living, but he saved us and left us here because he wants us to be salt. He wants us to be light. He wants us to reach people who are far from God. And can I I challenge you this week? Would you begin to pray? Maybe it's been a long time since you prayed for someone besides yourself. Maybe it's been a long time since you prayed for a neighbor, a coworker, a, a student at school who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Can I ask you, would you begin to pray? Would you begin to seek God on their behalf? Can, can I encourage you this week? Would you build a relationship with somebody? Maybe grab a cup of coffee with somebody? Would you, would you go to lunch with somebody who doesn't know God and, and just talk to them? Share your story. Share your testimony. Listen to them. Listen to their situation and just love on them and be Jesus to them. Can, can I encourage you this week? Would you invite somebody to church and excited about the new Midwest City campus and, and they're pumped up and they're going to be inviting people to the grand opening and, and I'm excited that school, all the schools will be back in next week and, and people are going to be open and looking some to go to church and get their kids in church and and we're going to be here ready for prodigals to come would you invite somebody i want to challenge you don't come alone next week invite somebody to be here who is far from god not only invite somebody that from the church down the street from your house come on now they already go to church invite somebody far from jesus say come to church with me after church we'll grab some lunch i'll pay for it might be some taco bueno but i'll pay for it all right but I'm saying, would you get your, I, I want to communicate to you the Father's heart. And that is the Father cares about those who are missing. And we freed up seats at this 10 o'clock experience. We freed up kids space because we got hundreds of people over at the Midwest City campus. And would you invite prodigals, those who are far from God, to be here? Can I challenge you to fast this week and pray? It's our week of prayer. In fact, would you fast? Would you really pray for those who are far from God, for them to come in and be a part of inviting them? Would you be Wednesday night at the Midwest City campus? We're going to all be together and we're going to pray and call on the name of the Lord. We'll be fasting and seeking God's face and worshiping. Can I tell you? Prayer really works. God really answers prayer. And we're going to call on the name of the Lord. Because I believe, as I study the Bible, God is consumed with those who are still missing. There's a second difference I want you to notice between the older brother and the loving father. Number two is older brothers operate from the context of shame. Notice this in Luke chapter 15 and verse 29. But he answered his father, that's is the older brother, look. All these years, I've been slaving for you. Do you see the exaggeration there? I've been slaving for you, Daddy. 
just one of your slaves. It's kind of like your kids, you know, you ever have one of your kids say this to you. I'm starving to death. No, you're not. With your poochin' belly, you're not starving to death. I need to get you over in a third world country and not eat for a few days. Then I can talk about it. You, had, you ate this morning. You're not starving to death. And here's this boy. I'm, I'm a slave for your daddy as he sleeps in a bed with a pillow and cover. And he, he, here he is. I, I'm slaving for you. And, nev- and listen to this. And never disobeyed your orders. Yeah, right. But that's his perspective. You see, older brothers are self-righteous. I'm holy. Nobody else is holy, but I'm holy. I'm close to Jesus. Rest of you going to hell. You don't love the Lord, but I'm holy. Now, I mean, that's what this boy's doing. I'm holy. I know God. I've never disobeyed. I'm right. You see, can I tell you something about older brother churches? Is they have short-term memories, and they, they easily forget their own sins and mistakes. They easily forget where God's brought them from. And that's what's happening to this, this, this older brother. And he goes on to say, yet, dad, you never gave me. Listen, I'm holy and I've been slaving for you. And you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And now there's this entitlement. Daddy, you owe me something. God, you owe me. I mean, I'm living for, I've been slaving. You owe me. That's just, that's the older brother mentality. God owes me all this. He owes me a party. Verse 30 says, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, here's the shame. He starts shaming his brother. He starts bringing up his past. With prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for that old wretched sinner. Can I tell you, older brothers, they're quick to bring up the faults and mistakes of others. They don't extend mercy. They don't extend grace. They don't extend forgiveness. They constantly bring up other people's past and they have a hard time remembering their past. Can I tell you, I never want people's church to be a place where the prodigal feels they can't come and they're not welcome because there's shame and there's a guilt trip and there's judgment that we don't open up our arms and love people who are different than us. Can I tell you what happens to older brother churches? The prodigals come, and they feel judged, and they feel people are criticizing them, and they just show up just like they are, and they end up back in the pig pen instead of staying in the father's house. Because we, we, you know, at times church, you know, we, we, we can just get so self-righteous. What are you wearing to church? You're going to be wearing them blue jeans to the house of the Lord. You know, the Bible says in First Herbert, thou us don't wear those genus to our churches. Because uh-uh. that's what that verse is, is in First Herbert. And he can find that in the Bible. And we get all self-righteous. And you, can, you better wear your dress to come to, to the house of the Lord. I mean, we just get, we start making up rules. You, can, you know, you, you better not act like that. You don't say those words. We, we're holy. Church. I mean, and they're just coming just like they are. And, and we put up walls and we run them out instead of welcoming, welcoming them and loving them, saying, come just like you are. And we believe that Jesus will change your life. And instead of that, a lot of people get self-righteous. And, 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 if, I, and if we operated by some of your standards, some of you would have been able to come to Christ by your own standards. Because you forget, you know what happens? You know what happens? We can never forget. Here's how you overcome self-righteousness. Here's how you overcome putting shame on everybody else. You got to remember where God's brought you from. You got to always keep in the forefront of your mind where God has brought you from. Oh, don't look in here. I'll be Michael Jr. in his place talking about you oversaved. That's what you are, oversaved. 
Because I'm telling you, come on, you remember when you were on drugs? Remember when you were addicted to alcohol? Remember when you were a liar, a liar and a cheater? Some of you was last week. Come on, remember, remember when you were bound on pornography? Remember when you were bound in sexual addiction? Remember when you were broke, busted, and disgusted? Remember when you didn't know how you were going to pay your bills? You didn't have two pennies to rub together? Remember where God has brought you from? Keep it in the forefront of your mind. If it were not for grace, where would I be? And when a prodigal walks in, looking silly, acting stupid, half high, you can extend grace and love and mercy and forgiveness because you remember where the Lord has brought you from. Or you respond like the older brother. I've never disobeyed you. Yeah, right. You just don't remember your own mistakes. And you're quick to point out the mistakes of others. Older brothers operate from the context of shame. The loving father operates from the context of forgiveness. The context of forgiveness. Luke chapter 15 and verse 21 says this. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, quick. Bring the best robe. In other words, we're not going to treat him like a servant. We're going to treat him like a son. Bring the best robe. He says, put it on him. Don't let it. He's not going to put it on himself. You put the robe on him. I'm treating him like a son. Put a ring on his finger. He's not going to do it himself. You put the ring on him. I'm not treating him like a servant. I'm treating him like a son. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on. You put sandals on my boy's feet. Don't treat him like a servant. Treat him like he's a son. I know he's messed up. I know he's blown it. I know he squandered all the money, but it's home now, and I'm extending forgiveness his way. Matter of fact, the father goes on to say in Luke chapter 15, verse 24, for this son of mine, not this, this boy or somebody else's child or this servant. No, 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 no. He's messed up, but he's my son. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they, so they began to celebrate. And can I tell you, this is huge. This is huge. So you have to understand, when the son asked his father for his share of the estate, he was being a jerk. He was basically saying, Dad, I want to pretend that you're dead. Because you don't get the share of your estate until your father dies, and then you get your half of the inheritance. But he's saying, Dad, I just want to pretend like you're dead. I want to do life without you. I just want to spit in your face and be done with you. Give me my share of the state. And you know what it does? He didn't move next door. He, he didn't go next door. He didn't want anything to do with his dad. He goes to a distant country, the Bible says. And now all of a sudden, he's in a pig pen. And he comes back home. Smelly, stinking. He's dissed his father, spit in his father's face. Didn't want anything to do with his father. And the dad's response was to hug him and to love him and to kiss him. And to restore him. That's the heart of our Heavenly Father. And I want people's church to be a place where prodigals can come back home to. Let me say this to you. I want this church to be a place that if you ever stray away from God. And you decide to go back out in the world and not come to church anymore. Go live a loose wild life. And I want you to know if you end up in the pig pen, and trust me, if you walk out on God and walk out on church, 
you will end up in the pig pen. <laughs> I mean, that's where you're going to find yourself, in the pig pen of life. That's what happens is you get yourself in a pickle, in a mess, and you end up in the pig pen. Here's what I want you to know. Is when you wake up and come to your senses and you decide to come back home, I want you to know that we will welcome you with open arms and we will love you and we will restore you. We will extend grace and mercy your way. We will forgive you as you call out on the name of the Lord. I want you to know, I want you to know, some of you parents need to know, your, your son or your daughter, your kid drifts away and they give up on church for a season of their life. I want you to know that this place will be a place where prodigal sons and daughters can come back home again and be restored and forgiven. This is a place of grace and restoration. He comes back home and the father extends forgiveness, not shame. To his son, it's the heart of the father. I want you to see a third difference, a third difference, and that is this. Older brothers throw fits, throw fits. You see, the older brother was focused on all the wrong things. I mean, just think about it. The, the, his, his younger brother has lost everything. He, he, he's lost all the money. He's lost his dignity. He's been living a wild, loose life in sin. He's addicted. He's lost awake. He's smelling like a pig. I mean, and he shows up and all the bro older brother is focused on is the wrong thing. The, the, the younger brother, his life is being changed. He made it back to the father's house. He's finally there. His life is being transformed. And the older brother is focused on the wrong thing. He's focused on himself. He's, he's focused on the dancing and the music. I don't like that dancing and that music and that party in the house. I, I, don't, like, I don't like what's going on there. He's, he's focused on all the wrong things. He's focused on his oh, younger brother's past sins. Well, I know my younger brother. I know what he's done in the past. He's focused on all the wrong things. Instead of focusing on his younger brother's life change, he's focused on the wrong thing, and he starts to throw a fit. Can I tell you what happens to older brother churches? Is they get focused on the wrong thing. And they start throwing fits. And we have a church of peace and of unity. And God is blessing and we're moving forward in his blessing and his grace and his favor. But I never want us to be a church that gets focused on the wrong thing and starts throwing fits. Can, can, can I tell you what happens? Is when you get focused on the wrong thing, like, you know, some people tell me, Pastor, you don't hoop. Some of you don't even know what hooping is, you know. <gasps> and Jesus, <gasps> you know, I, I, and I love hooping, but I can't hoop. There's no reason for me to fake it. Put an organ behind me. I'm not hooping. I can't sing and hoop. And, but I, I've had people tell me this, Pastor, I don't really believe I've been to church unless the preacher hoops. Really? And where do you find that in the Bible? But see, you know what happens? You know what happens? Is we get focused on the wrong thing. Instead of focusing on Jesus and life, we get focused on all the wrong things. Some people get focused on, you know what, the music's too loud or it's too soft or, you know, I, I wish you would sing more of my songs. And, and you know what, I love the diversity of our church and we sing a little bit of everything. We've got a diverse audience and I love it. You know, can I tell you, I don't like everything we sing, but when I get in my own car, I play whatever music I want because it's my car. But this is not, this is the house of God. It's not here just for you. We don't plan every service just thinking about you. Well, what do they want us to sing this week? Are you kidding me? But we get focused on the wrong thing. Come on, I can worship to anything. Country, rock, reggae all together. Boy, I thank you. I love you, Lord. I'm here to. 
I'm just saying, I mean, we get focused, instead of focusing on Jesus and lives being changed, I mean, people get focused on the wrong things. Even some of you would say, you know, video teaching, pastor at Midwest City Campus, I, I just don't know about all that video teaching that we're going to be doing. I don't know. I don't just don't think it will work. Well, listen, you sit at home and watch television preaching. That's why some of you got bad theology. Now, I've been trying to help you for years with that bad theology you get from that television preacher. Uh, you watch all kind of stuff and get affected by television. Will of Fortune and uh, I miss Jack Bauer, 24. He influenced my life greatly. I mean, I'm just saying, you watch movies. Listen, don't tell me media don't work. Don't tell me media don't influence your life. And we get, but we get focused on all the wrong things. And, and instead of focusing on life change and more people are going to be reached and we start throwing fits. Well, I don't like the color of the carpet because you're focused on the wrong thing. I, 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 and we just get off and I just never want this church. God is blessing. We're moving forward. Lives are being changed. And we're not going to be a church that throw, throws fits. Instead, you know what we're going to do is be the loving father. You know what the loving father does? He throws parties. He throws parties. Luke chapter 15 and verse number 32, it says, the, the father's talking to the older son. And he says, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. He says, listen, you don't have to come to the party if you don't want to. You can stay out there and keep screaming and being mad. We're not going to form a committee for you out there about the screaming committee. We're not going to do that. We're not going to cater to you. But, you can, but we're going to celebrate. And we're going to party that he was dead and now he's alive. And can I tell you, every church who welcomes home the prodigals, they have two things. They have forgiveness and they have the joy of the Lord. You see, the father says he was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. He has been forgiven. He's back in the house and now we're celebrating. There, there is joy. He says, celebrate and be glad. And I always want people's church to be full of two things, the forgiveness of God and the joy of the Lord. You know what this church is going to be? It's going to be a partying church. Oh, that's messing with some of you right now. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be a partying church. I'm not talking about a reefer drinking and I'm not talking about that we're gonna party over lives being changed here my heart is your pastor and every now and again I'm guilty I don't ever want us to get to a place where it gets old and stale and mundane and crusty and we just respond nonchalantly oh yeah Somebody got saved at people's church. Whoopee. Just like every week, somebody was dying and going to hell, now they're going to heaven. Whoopee. Somebody just got set free. No big deal. Ah, no big deal. And if we're not careful, we start taking lightly and stop throwing parties. For the greatest miracle of all. Not, not if somebody's arm grows back. And I believe in the power of God. If somebody, God can make somebody's arm grow back. He can make somebody's leg grow back. So he can get somebody out of the wheelchair. And that's awesome. But the greatest miracle is when just one person who was on their way to hell is now on their way to heaven. I'll never forget. I'll never forget sitting in the football locker room in Rewoka, Oklahoma. 
And I surrender my life to Jesus. And tears flooded down my face as I encountered God's grace and mercy and love. I'll never forget the moment when I was transferred from darkness into the marvelous light. And I never wanted to get old. We're going to be a parting church. Because we're going to focus on the right thing. More.